that's what we're going to be talking about today. Working together to serve the body. So I want, you to, I want us to bow our heads and just ask the Holy Spirit to come and show us what our place is. Father, I thank you for today. Jesus, we say you are the main attraction right now. It's all about you. Father, I pray that my words, my thoughts, God, that this, this church's thoughts would all be centered on you, focused on you. God, we need to hear you. We need to see you. God, we don't need to hear ourselves. We don't need to hear uh, a, a put-together sermon to make us feel better about ourselves. God, we need to hear your voice. So right now, Jesus, we give you permission to speak to us. Just tell him that, Lord, I give you permission. If you want to hear from him, this is how you do it. You have to give him permission. Jesus, I give you permission to make yourself real to me in this moment and to speak to my heart. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you remember a few weeks ago, I preached a sermon called Fighting Together. And it was, a, it was a message about small groups. How many of you were in that message, Fighting Together? We talked about the importance of community and having people in our lives to understand this battle that we're in, right? How many of you all know it's important not just to have any friends in your life, but to have people who are going the same direction? So we were talking about that, how, and we talked about how that's important, but how many of y'all remember one of the main reasons we have small groups at Kingdom? The main reason we have small groups at Kingdom is because it is one of the strategies, remember we're talking about spiritual strategies, it is one of the strategies God has given us to fulfill this vision, to know Jesus, hear his voice upon them. We're not doing it just because it's a good idea. This is one of the things the Lord has showed us, shown us, um, how we fulfill this vision. And there are actually three ways, three strategies God has given us to fulfill the vision. You can put that on the screen. Attend assembly, serve the body, and join community. And so a couple of weeks ago, I talked about this, the, the third one, joining community, work, uh, working together, um, no, 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 um, fighting together, joining community. The one we're going to be talking about today is serving the body. The first one, we've all, if you've been here, you've heard this. First, attending assembly is coming together on Sunday morning or coming together for our nights of prayer as a, as a group of people with the church. Everyone is invited to service. Everyone is invited to these nights of prayer. The, second, the third one, which we talked about, was joint community. This is where we get an intimate relationship. We're able to open up uh, with what's going on in our lives and pray with one another. Today, we're going to be talking about serving the body. Working together to serve the body. Okay. So serving, you may, uh, hopefully you've read your Bible and you've read this. Serving is a biblical concept. How many, how many of y'all knew that? It's a biblical concept. Galatians 5.13 says this, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. I love this verse. He says, As believers, Jesus has paid the price for our sins, and we are able to walk in freedom and to walk in peace and walk in joy, whereas in the past we were walking in bondage or walking in fear and anxiety. But he says, don't use your freedom to, begin, to continue to do more of what you want to do. Use that freedom to serve one another through love. I love this. I remember I was in college and there was this girl in class and she said, man, I, I'm, an, I'm not under the law anymore. I'm under grace. How many of you have heard that phrase before? I'm not under the law anymore. I'm under grace. I'm not under, I don't have to do these things. I'm accepted by Jesus. And I remember pr- trying to process that. I, I didn't really connect the dots completely back then, but as I got older, I realized, yes, we are not under the law, but we are free so that we can continue to love other people. We're not free so we can continue to do what we want to do. That's what Jesus saved us from. He saved us so that we can serve others. 
Mark 10, 45 says this, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve. If there was anyone who had a excuse to be served, don't you think it would be the savior of the world? He says, but he didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus was the greatest servant that ever lived. This is why we follow him, because he modeled what a godly life really looks like. And look at Hebrews 6.10. For God is not unjust to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name and serving the saints as you still do. I love this. Um, The writer of Hebrews is, is encouraging his listeners. He said, everything you do for the church, everything you do for the believers, for unbelievers, God sees it and he will remember it. And he's essentially saying, you'll be repaid for it. So everything we do for one another, for the church, God sees. We are called to serve. Last week, in between um, worship, I came up and kind of led us in, in prayer and worship. And, and I don't know if you remember me saying this, but when we walk into service, we can, it's very easy for us to think, I wonder what the preacher's going to say that's going to make me feel better, that's going to challenge me. I wonder if the worship team is going to lead this song or sing this song that makes me feel a certain way. If we're not careful, we'll walk in and say, I wonder if God can do, is going to do something for me today. How many of y'all are guilty of that? You can say, yeah, I've thought that before. I have, both hands. What can God do for me? Listen to this. As long as you're looking, you're keeping your eyes on your expectations, you're going to miss what he's trying to say to you. Because this is not about us. This is about him. This is about how we can serve him, serve his heart, and ultimately how we can serve one another. It's not about us. If we will take our eyes off of what we want to happen in our, whenever we meet together for small group, for services, for serving, wherever. If we'll take our eyes of, off of what we want and focus on him, we're going, to be, we're going to hear him a little bit better. We're going to see him a little clearer. One of the ways that we take our eyes off of ourselves is by serving one another. There's many different ways that you can serve a kingdom. I'll get into this more in a little bit. But um, right now, I, I mentioned how many of us have uh, kids in nursery, in, in, in kids' church. How many of y'all appreciate the fact that, some, that someone is teaching your kids about Jesus right now? How many of y'all would agree we need more of that? Especially in our school system. Especially in this culture. We need more people to teach. So there are different ways. Greet, like I said, you mentioned, I mentioned um, how you were greeted when you, when you walked in. Media. I lo- these cameras. How many of you, uh, here's a question I want to ask. How many of y'all first or found out about Kingdom First through uh, our social media or through the internet? Several people. So these are not, these are, these jobs are important. They are reaching other people. Again, one way we partner with the Lord is by serving other people. Now, the title of the message is Working Together to Serve the Body. What do I mean by the body? The body of Christ, right? We're gonna, I'm going to read a few verses, and we've actually read these verses this, this past year in, in 2021. We read some of these verses. And some of these verses may seem elementary to some of us, but I want to encourage you, even if you've read these verses many times before, I want to encourage you to listen to, uh, to, to what we're reading. Look at Colossians 1.17. What is the body of Christ? We're about to find out. 1.17 says this, talking about Jesus and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might preeminent. We see that Jesus says, 
he is, that Paul says that Jesus is the head of his body, which is what? What is the body? Do I have to read it again? The church. Okay. It's okay to talk. Talk back to me. Famous passage about, I want to read the, uh, Ephesians 5.25. Many of us have heard, um, have heard this verse before, have read this passage before about the bride of Christ. Look at verse 25 in he, Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself with splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish so one of the things that we are as the church is we are the bride of christ the reason that husbands are commanded to love their wives is because jesus first loved his bride the church you know why you know why um we as the church are to be completely submitted to jesus It's because he has proven his love for us. Would you agree with that? He has proven himself trustworthy, that he loves us, he cares for us. He may understand why things are happening the way they're happening, but we know he's going to work things out. That's why we completely surrender and submit to the Lord. Husbands, if you want your wives to honor your place of headship in your family, then you need to start loving your wife the way that Jesus loved the church. That is the only, I, I have no problem, and we can talk about, this. that's another message, we can talk about that, that later. I have no problem saying that a wife should submit to the husband, as long as the husband is loving the wife the way that Christ loved the church. Okay, so, let's keep reading. Verse 28, but then Paul, go, then, um, Paul goes on to talk about another way that Jesus sees the church. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. Wives, how many of you would say your husband really loves himself yeah must he doesn't love me must love someone must love himself (laughs) listen to this he who loves his wife loves himself for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it cherish cherishes it just as christ does the church why because we are members of his body what is another reason that jesus loves the church it's because it's his body what man what woman doesn't love themselves jesus loves himself therefore he takes care of his body listen the body of christ is the church i know this is elementary i know many of us have heard this before but we really need to understand this clearly the body of christ is the church I'm going to say something else about the church. The church is not a place. The church is a group of people who have committed themselves to Jesus. The church is not a place. I know many times we say, hey, I'm going to go to church on Sunday. I'm going to go to church Wednesday. I'm going to go to church whenever. Is that really accurate? Not really. What what we mean when we say that is, I'm going to go meet up with the church at this building on University across the street from the pond across the street from the YMCA. That's what we really mean. And there's nothing wrong with saying I'm going to church when you understand that I'm going to join the church. The church is not a building. We are the church, which means we can be the church anywhere we go. We can be, church at, we can be the church in the parking lot. We can be the church at our jobs. We can be the church at Walmart, H-E-B. We can be the church anywhere. We can invite God's presence wherever we're at. The church is the body of Christ. Also, each person in the church Because each person is a member of the body of Christ, each member has a function. All of us have a function, okay? Y'all understanding? 
every person is part of the body of Christ that has given themselves to Jesus. And because they're part of the body of Christ, they are a body part. And we know that every one of our body parts has a function. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We, this is a passage we read about six months ago, but I really felt like we need to go through it again. The human body, verse 12, has many parts, but the many parts make up the one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are, were Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some of us are slaves, some of us are free, some of us are Baptists, some of us are Lutheran, some of us are Catholics, some of us are Pentecostals. Guess what? We're all one body of Christ. If we confess Jesus as Lord and we're submitted to his headship, we're all one. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Verse 14, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, does that make it any less a part of the body? And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, I want to be an eye. I don't want to be an ear. Ears look, the ears look weird. I want to be an eye. I want to have green eyes or blue eyes. I want to have brown eyes. I want to have the specific, I want, to, I want people to look directly at me. And I don't want them to be looking at my ear. Nobody looks at an ear. <laughs> Would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body, check this out, were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were in ear, how would you smell anything? Verse 18, but your, our bodies have many parts, listen, and God has put each part just where he wants it. Ooh, I could stay here the rest of the time. What do you think about that? God has put each part just where he wants it. Do you believe God has placed you exactly where you need to be? Do you, do you believe he's given you the right skills, the right talents, the right mind for the part of the body that he wants you to be in? I think so many times, I know even growing up, I, I thought, man, I wish I had that gift. Or I wish I had those skills. And, had, and I, it took some time for me to realize God made me very uniquely for a purpose. And as long as I am looking at other people's, the other functions of the body, I'm not going to fully accept and receive and work in the fullness of what God has called me. It's really important for us to realize that God has a plan. And we may not like where we are in the body, but if we will accept it, you will experience a peace and joy that you would not experience any other place. Verse 19, how strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. We're all part of the body. We all need one another. Listen, the church, the body of Christ, only works when it works together. This is, I hope this, you really get this. The, church, the body of Christ, the church only works when it works together. Do you know the body was created to heal itself? You know the body was created to help when, when we hurt our hands or our feet. If we hurt one foot, we can use the other foot. It can take on a little bit more pressure or the, the body weight. Do you know the, the body was created to help itself? Do you know the body of Christ, listen, was created to heal itself, to provide for itself? It is, so many times we pray, God, where are you at? How come you're not meeting this need? First question are you submitted to the Lord? Second question, are you submitted to the body? If you're not coming together with the body, God's saying, I have what you need with the church. This is my body. I'm going to take care of my body. If you would submit to it, you would have all your needs met. But because you only show up once a week, once every few weeks or once a month, you're only going to get your needs met once every few weeks or every once a month. Who's the head of the body? Jesus. What do we know about people who have a good head on their shoulders? 
they can go a long way, right? When we make Jesus our head and let him make the decisions, we'll go a long way. It's his body. If we will commit to the body, we'll see our needs met. If we let him be the head, we'll accomplish everything he wants us to accomplish. We need you. We need you. We need you to take your place in the body of Christ and commit to the vision that God has given this body. When you do that, every need is met. Um, there's many different needs. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on, on specific ministries, but um, you can sign up to serve at kingdomodessa.com and just go. There's a place to sign up to serve. Just type in your name and it will contact you. There's a couple things, though. I'm going to end with a story, with, a, with a, another Bible story. Before I do that, I want us to say a few things about serving, a few things to remember. Every ministry has a different set of requirements, different set of obligations. Um, but there are uh, several things that, that we really ask of every, of every department. First thing is attend, we want everyone to attend for three months. So if you haven't been attending, if you've been attending for less than three months, we encourage you just to come, receive, and really get acquainted with the vision. We don't have a membership class yet, which is something that I really want to do hopefully this year, but just come for a little while. The second thing is be open to serve anywhere. I'm going to come back to that in a little bit. Be open to serve anywhere. Thirdly, be faithful where you're serving. Um, when, we, when we schedule people to serve and somebody doesn't show up, imagine we've had a lot of babies. Um, I mean, for a while we've had a lot of babies. We've had to split classes. But if there's only a couple people in a classroom and we have eight one-year-olds show up and we had two people um, show up and only one shows up, how long would you be able to handle eight babies if you were just one person, right? He can, bar- he can, he can barely handle one. Point, yeah, so please be faithful. I'm just going to say, of course, we understand things happen. God provides, but just be faithful. And the last one, this is a strategy. I'm not going to go much into this, but th- there is a strategy that the Lord gave us called a 10-1 serve one, meaning we have two services. In one service, you will attend. The second service, you will volunteer or vice versa, you'll serve the first one and then tend the second one. Why this is important is because we don't want people just showing up to serve and not being poured into. Because you don't need it to be poured, be poured into for to serve with kids or hosts or media or youth or whatever else. You need to be poured into for the rest of the week. We're not just, and churches are infamous for this, infamous for this, for just using and abusing people and not really following up on their spiritual well-being. How many of y'all have been to that church? I've been part of that ministry. We care about you. We want you not just to serve us. That would that, that'd just be serving a church name. That's not really serving the body. This is just serving uh, kingdom church. We care about you. And so we want you to attend a service and serve one service. Okay. If you have your Bibles, turn to Judges 7. I want to end with one Bible story. Judges 7. Years ago, God gave me a strategy for ministry. This was probably like probably seven, eight, maybe nine years ago, God gave me the strategy for ministry. And it was out of the story in Judges 7. I'll give you a little background before we start reading. In the Old Testament, the children of Israel, once they went into the promised land, became very complacent. And so they would, they, they became complacent and forgot about God. They began worshiping the gods of the land and they, they uh, put up idols and they began bowing down to them. And God said, I'm, I'm the one that brought you out of Egypt, not these gods that you're creating. And so they would routinely go into bondage, routinely. 
they would go into bondage and the God would send somebody to rescue them and then they would be good for about 15, 20, 30 years and then they would go back into bondage for another 10, 15, 20, 30 years and then they were in this cycle. And so they were in this cycle and in this season, they were in bondage to a people called the Midianites. And so they cried out to God and God raised up a man named Gideon to lead them out. Well, about that, right about the time Gideon was called, the Midianites gathered together uh, their entire army, and a few, there were, I think there was a few other nations that came, and they crossed the Jordan River, and they came to attack the nation of Israel. There was about, the, the Bible doesn't say specifically how many people there were, but there were at least 120,000 men that were there. 120,000 men during those days. It wasn't like 120,000 like that are in Odessa. There weren't a whole lot of people. So 120,000 men came across to attack them. Gideon called some tribes of Israel to come together, and about 32,000 men came along. So they were outnumbered four to one. Okay, you get that? 120,000 versus 32,000 Israelites. We're going to pick up with verse one of Judges 7. So Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, and his army got up early, 32,000 men, and went as far as the spring of Herod. The armies of Midian were camped north of them in the valley near the, near the hill of Moreh. The Midianites were in a valley. The Lord said to Gideon, listen to this, you have too many warriors with you. I want you to think about that. Was that true? Logically, was that true? 120,000 versus 32,000. And God says, you have too many people. No, logically, that was not true. They were outnumbered four to one. But in God's eyes, there were too many. We're going to see why God said that. Let's keep reading. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. This is so good. Listen to this. God only fights battles that are his idea, and he only fights battles where he gets the glory. There are some things you've been praying about, you've been fasting about, you've been interceding, you've been begging God about, but how many of us have actually asked the Lord, is this what you want from me? He only fights the battles that he starts, that are his idea, and not only that, it could be his will for, you, for him to give you something, but he realizes, hey, if I give this to you, you're just going to forget about me. He said... He told Gideon, there are too many men. He said, if you, if you fight this battle with these men, then they're going to boast that they got their strength and they're going to forget about me. Verse 3, therefore tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of the 32,000 went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. Can you imagine Gideon? Great. Two-thirds of my friends left me. And it would, it's actually like that sometimes. I don't know if you, I want you to imagine how discouraging do you think that was for Gideon? He was already outnumbered and two thirds of his army goes home, leaving 10,000. How discouraging do you think that was for Gideon? How easy do you think it would have been? Hey, I'm out of here. At least I want to be here. Two thirds of my friends don't even want to be here. I'm just going to leave. It would have been very discouraging, very, I would say very tempting to leave. Listen, in this season that we're in, you're going to face some challenges. You're going to have some people maybe that leave you or some situations that turn out a certain way that are going to tempt you to leave. 
you have to make a decision. Did I hear from the Lord to fight this battle this way or am I going to take matters into my own hands? Gideon could easily say, you know what? No, I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to. I'm going to say, I'm sorry, um, guys. No, come on back. God told, maybe he could have lied about it. Say, no, God didn't really say that. Just come on back. We'll we'll go with our 32,000. There's many different ways that Gideon could have gone. He could have been discouraged, but he continued to trust the Lord. Verse 4. But the Lord told Gideon, Gideon, there are still too many. I know you got 10,000. There's still too many. Bring them down to the spring, and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. Again, too many, God? You're going to give them a test? You know, I think the Lord will put us through tests. It's almost like trial runs before the real thing comes along. Because listen to this. Only the tested can go into battle. Because only those who pass the test will win the battle. Listen, if you can't pass a test, what makes you think you're going to win a battle? This is the reason that we're tested and that God puts, will you be faithful with a little? I know, you, I know I've promised you this big thing over here, but can you be faithful with this, with this much money? Can you be faithful with this ministry? Can you be faithful in this area? If you can't pass that test, you're not going to pass the bigger test later on. And this is what God and this is what God told Gideon. Hey, I need to put these to the test. I know that I know they're not scared, but they still need to be tested. Let's keep reading. Verse five. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, "Divide the men into two groups. And one group put all those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongue with their tongues like dogs. And the other group put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. Basically, said those who get down on one knee." Bring the, go down to the stream, bring the water to their, to their mouth and drink this way. I want you to put them over here. And then those, I'm not going to do this, who get on all fours and, and put their mouth to the water, put them over there. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands. The 9,700 other men got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. The Lord told Gideon, Gideon's probably like, okay, Lord, which group are you going to pick? The Lord told Gideon, with, three, with these 300 men over here, I will rescue you and give you the victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. So Gideon collected the provisions and ram's horns of the other warriors and sent them home, but he kept the 300 men with him. Imagine again that you're Gideon. You were outnumbered. Four to one, now you're outnumbered 400 to one. 300 men. Listen, we know how the story ends. Some of you that read the story have heard this before. You know how it ends. You didn't know how the story ended. All he sees is God dwindling his army down from 32,000 to 300. But again, put yourself in Gideon's shoes. What would you have done? God, you're crazy. This doesn't make any sense. 300 men going against 120,000 men. We're never going to win. How many times do we find ourselves, I'm telling you, you're going to, in this season, please listen to me, because when it happens, you're going to be like, oh, he said it was going to happen. You're going to find yourself in a situation that does not make any sense. And the only reason you know that you're there is because God told you to be there. You're telling me to do what, God? You're telling me to let go of who? You're telling me to give away what? You're telling me to do what? Listen, we've never been this way before. They had never been in 
They had never been in the promised land before. Joshua and the Israelites had never been there before. They never come across an army this big before. Gideon could have taken matters into his own hands, or he could, or he could have done what he did. He could have had faith and said, God, I trust you. I heard your voice. I'm telling you, this is so important. I heard your voice. You told me this. I have proof. If you remember the other part of the story, he put the fleece on the ground. I have the fleece. I still have it with me. I asked for a sign. You gave me a sign. I'm going to follow you. This is the, t- this is the season to be courageous. Verse 16. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just, actually, I'm going to just paraphrase because we're kind of running out of time. They ended up splitting into three groups. They went to where the Midianites were, were camped. And um, there was actually, it was actually a, um, a valley. Um, I got it like 15 more minutes, Junior. So if you want to, you can sit there, but you don't have to play for a little bit. Um, the, there was a valley and they had three groups of men, 100, 100, and 100. And they had a torch and then they had a, a, clay, a clay jar in the middle of, of, they had a torch in the middle of the clay jar. They broke it and they said, a sword of the, a sword of the, what did he say? I'm going to make it up. He said, uh, they said, uh, when I give, Gideon said, when I give this sign, say a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. They broke the clay jars and at about, around midnight, the Midianites woke up and they're like, what's going on? They were surrounded by sound, surrounded by, by the, these torches and, and, um, Basically, they went into disarray and began killing themselves and began killing one another. 300 men caused 120,000 men to begin to kill themselves. Now, we can either believe that 300 men did this or that the, the men, the Midianites, saw something completely different. I, I, I'm telling you, only God could have done this. When you follow his strategy, when you follow his way, God will show up. When we follow God's strategy, we get his victory. Okay, I'm going to get to what God showed me. The Lord showed me that, he said, Josh, just like Gideon sent home two groups of people, there are going to be two groups of people in ministry that you send home. He said, these people will not help you win the battle. The first group is this. Those who, want, who don't want to be here. Gideon, God told Gideon, send the people who are scared and don't want to be. I mean, fear was the reason they didn't want to be there. But he said, if they don't want to be here, send them home. God said, they're not going to help you. They're going to actually cause fear to spread among the other. Among the other. Send them home. You see, in ministry, many times we see, I, I've, I've seen ministries done this way. They beg people to serve. They pressure them to or they... They, um, they pressure them, they guilt them into serving. That is not God's character. God does not make anybody do anything. Now, listen, there will be consequences if you don't listen to the Lord, but he will not twist your arm and make you do something. You have to choose to do it. So God, and so the Lord said, hey, Joshua ministry, don't make people do anything. They have to have a willing heart to serve. Lay it out before them and show them how important it is and how it benefits them, it benefits the body of Christ, but don't make anyone do anything. The second group of people are people who want to serve, but they, don't, they want to serve their way. Listen, this group is, not, is willing and is not afraid to serve, but they want to serve their way. This group can be really difficult. They say, hey, I want to serve, but how come we're doing it this way? I don't understand. I don't know. You know what? I really don't agree with how we're doing this. I wish you would do it this way. I wish I would do that. I think this way is better. 
Do you think Gideon's men had any of those thoughts? The 300 men thought, I don't understand this way. This doesn't make any sense. Do you think they had any of those thoughts? Yes. The difference between those 300 men and the other 31,700 is that the 300 men were submitted and they trusted the Lord and they trusted Gideon. The others didn't. How do I know that? Look at Judges 7 verse 2. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many more wars with you. If I let all of you fight, the Israelites will boast to me that they save themselves by their own strength. Gideon had, an, had people in his army who were there for their own glory and their own satisfaction, and they were going to boast about their own strategy. They had to go because they were not going to give the Lord the glory. Tell you, this can be a very difficult group because you're like, I want to serve. I want to get involved. I want to do this. But they're not submitted. God said, you're not going to be able to use those people. They're going to sabotage. They're going to bring division. They're going to sabotage the plan. They're going to sabotage the mission because they are more interested in serving their way and serving for their own glory. He said, you've got to send them home. Now, I, want you to, I, want you to, I don't want you to think we're not open to ideas. That's not it. If there's anyone, you can ask our staff. I'm open to many ideas. Um, and many of the things that we have done has, have been other people's ideas. But the, but the question is this. When it comes down to it, are you willing to say, you know what, not what I want, but what's best, what God is leading us to do? Just saying, hey, where's your heart at? Years ago, I was playing with the worship team a long time ago. And the worship team that I was a part of, we had a worship leader that wasn't a really strong worship leader. And basically what would happen is we would come to practice and... Um, the worship leader would ask the other members, hey, how do you think we should play this song? Hey, how do you think we should, you know, do this? Which, that's okay. That's okay uh, to ask that. I think it's a team effort and we need to work together. Um, but there, it became an issue whenever the worship leader wanted to do something. And because the worship leader had given the other members a lot of authority or a lot of say, and because they weren't submitted, they, they would say, no, I don't think we need to do it that way, um, worship leader. I think we need to do it this way. And so inevitably, we need to do it that way. Well, I remember it, w- it went like that way. It went that way for a while. I remember one day um, we were practicing, and we had two people on the team who could play the drums. And, and, they, were, and they were pretty good drummers, decent drummers. Uh, <laughs> they were drummers, let's put it, they were, they were drummers. Um, and... They could play the drums. Let's put leave it at that. Um, well, one of them wanted to sing, and the other one liked playing the guitar. Um, and so the worship leader said, "Well, I need one of y'all to play the drums." No, not one of them wanted to play the drums. And I don't know. I don't remember what happened. I think we had to convince one, or maybe got found somebody else, but they didn't want to play the drums. I remember. I remember. I was young. I didn't really understand. I, I didn't. Knew, know what I, I didn't know then what I know now, but I knew something was wrong. I'm like, what is going on? Like, what do you mean you don't want to, like, when there's a need, like the need, this is the need. If we don't have drums, then we're going to, it's going to, we're going to sound kind of ridiculous on Sunday. Um, and I realized later these people wanted to serve their way because they were, they were, they cared. They didn't want to be back in a drum cage where they couldn't be seen. They want to be up front with the microphone and up front with the guitar. You know, it's very easy for me to spot people who don't want to serve. You see, a person who has a true heart for service and to serve, they do not care where they're put. They say, hey, where's the need at? I will serve where the need is. People who have given me issues the last three and a half years are people who really don't want to serve 
people. They want to serve themselves. They want to feel good about stepping into position. And as soon as it begins to violate what they want, then, hey, I'm out. I don't want to serve. You know, that's too many times, or I don't want to serve. I've been there too long. And again, it's not that we want to accommodate. We, We want to determine the gifts and talents that you have. But the main thing is, are you willing to serve anywhere? Trust me, there, in my time in ministry, from the time I was 18, even before that, so now the Lord has asked me to do things that I did not want to do. And I had to make a decision, am, am I to the best of my ability going to submit to this? And I didn't always submit perfectly, but the Lord was working on my heart saying, I, I don't want to do this, Lord, help me to do this the way that you want. We all, at one point... Those were tests. Listen, if I had not passed those tests, listen, I would not be here today. I promise you I wouldn't be here today. God puts us through tests to see if we are trustworthy for the next season. The church is the body of Christ, and we all have a place to play. I'm I'm telling you, if I could look at every person, you have a place to play in the body of Christ. Every one of you, doesn't matter how old or how young you are. We have people serving in ministry from all ages, really all ages. But there is a specific way that we are to serve. You have to want to be here. I can't twist your arm. I'm not going to twist your arm to step into ministry or to come to church or to be in small group. There will be consequences. And I, hopefully I've laid it out clearly. But I'm not going to do it. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to force you to do anything. But if we do serve, we have to serve the way that God wants. When we do that, we can use 300... We can use a few people to win the victory in our family's lives, in our church's life, in our city. It just takes some people who are willing to do it, not afraid, and are willing to do it God's way.